Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Valerie, and I've got John on the line. Say hey, John. Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a great afternoon. Again, we thank you for joining us on this Thursday, and today we are so excited. We have Ali Mashadi from the Writers Alley that's going to be joining us. We have had numerous people that have come in the Facebook groups and also in our Facebook uh, page asking for uh, help in publishing, editing, and writing, since writing books now is, seems to be the new hot tool. So we have brought on our expert with us, and she's going to give us some great tips on how to do that. So, Allie, why don't you say hello to the audience? Hi, everybody, and thank you, Valerie and Jonna, for having me on. I'm so excited. So, Allie, why don't you tell us, first of all, how did you get into the editing publishing business? What, you know, what does it all mean to you, and what does your business actually do? Oh, wow. Um, well, I can tell you I am one of the very rare few in the world who – actually got her dream job when I was very, very little. Um, I always loved books. I learned to read at a very young age and I was already writing and creating stories like with crayons, you know, when I was um, just a toddler. And uh, one of the very earliest memories I have of talking to grownups about what I wanted to do when I grow up um, was that I said I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to work on books at Simon and Schuster and, um, it really never went away. I worked on, you know, I was the editor of the school newspaper and I worked on literary magazines and yearbooks, et cetera, et cetera. I freelanced in college. Uh, I did, you know, English and writing in college as well. And sure enough, I was very lucky to get a job at Simon and Schuster when I graduated. So um, I grew up in book publishing at one of the major, the world's major publishers. And I learned so much there and uh, after being there for a number of years and working on a lot of projects, um, the economy shrank a little bit. It was after the dot-com bust in 2001 and after 9-11. And um, I just decided it was time to start experimenting with freelancing. So I started doing a little bit of freelance work on the side while I finished up a master's degree. And I intended to go back to book publishing uh, at the time, but then things were going really well on the independent side. And I thought, hey, let's let's really make this thing work. So I've been um, an independent uh, editor, ghostwriter, and book consultant now for, gosh, I think almost 14 years. Wow, long time. Just so y'all yeah. know, we actually we kind of we actually have a little bit of a relationship with Allie. She is one of our awesome clients. Yay! Been with us for a very long time, and she's wonderful to work for, and she does an ex- 
six. Exceptional job. Couldn't get that out. <laughs> so, so tell us a little more about your work and what you do, Allie, what you do yeah. to help people. Yeah, well, um, so what I do now is um, I work with experts and small business owners to help them create a book um, that's really going to be a tool primarily for their business growth plans and something they can build around their marketing efforts. So when I work with clients one-on-one, I'm specializing in prescriptive nonfiction. Um, But on the other side, um, which is definitely where John and Valerie come in, and I could not do it without them, is I run a company called The Writer's Ally, which is a team of editorial professionals. And together we provide editing, marketing, and publishing support, leading all kinds of authors to publishing success. And I know you also have AliMashadi.com. Is there a particular one, or do these sites exactly the same, or is there a difference for clients if they were listening to the program that they should go to one site versus the other to get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, um, both of the sites represent sort of two sides of the business. So AliMashadi.com represents the prescriptive nonfiction books. So that's where I'm working with people who are experts who probably don't consider themselves authors, but they want a book as part of their business. So they're looking to be speakers or they're trying to raise their national platform or grow their business in some way. Um, self-help, health and wellness business, that kind of thing. That's AliMashadi.com. The Writer's Ally is the editorial team, and that's for all kinds of authors. So if you're writing a memoir or a novel, or even if you're writing some kind of prescriptive nonfiction book, but you yourself are writing the the book and you just need that editorial feedback, not ghostwriting help, um, then the writersally.com is for you. Okay, great. And if somebody's out there and they want to just publish an ebook and put it onto Amazon, we hear all the time, should they really go to the expense of getting an editor, a publisher, that type of thing, or should they just go ahead and have somebody proofread it and put it up? <laughs> Well, it really depends on what your goals are for a book. You know, I'm a huge fan of self-publishing, and the digital revolution has made getting a book out to readers um, a much more accessible and a much easier and uh, inexpensive process. But those same rules kind of apply. If you are serious about growing an audience, if you're somebody who wants to actually make money on your book sales, and or if you see that book as a way to generate other kinds of opportunities. Like I mentioned, if you're someone who wants to be a speaker or you're using a book to establish yourself as an expert in some way where you need high visibility, then you have to put out a professional quality book. And that means professional editing. Perfect sense. And okay. Here's a, here's a question that we, that I've actually gotten a couple of times. How, how do writers know if the idea that they've got that they're working on is even worth trying to pursue having published? That's a really great idea. We get that question a lot too, because, you know, writing a book is a huge investment of time, energy, and yes, totally can be a huge investment of money. So how do you know? Um, One of the things that I tell people is to look at competition. You know, so if you are writing, let's say a health and wellness book, maybe you um, you've got some kind of fitness program that you teach people about If you go out there and you go to the bookstore, you go to Amazon, you click around and you look at what other books your book is going to be competing against, you know, so 
every time you publish a book, you're entering an ongoing conversation. It's extremely rare that anybody publishes something truly new these days. You're usually publishing a, a new take on something that's already going on. So if you are writing this book on a fitness program and you go out there and you look at other people who have written books sort of similar to yours, and there's 50 different titles and they're all selling really well, and every single one of those authors um, has a huge national platform, has been on Oprah, has a you know giant mailing list, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then you might want to rethink things because if you can't compete with those books, you have to ask yourself if it's really worthwhile pursuing this project. You know, who's going to buy your book when all these other books are already out there? Um, for creative works, though, like fiction or memoir, it's a really different story. It has to be a passion project. You know, the thing is, nobody can tell you if a concept for a fiction or a memoir is necessarily going to sell well, because so much depends on the execution, on the actual writing. Um, and it can take years and sometimes a lot of rejections before you find the right agent and the right editor to take your project on. So, you know, you really got to be personally invested if you're just looking for something that's going to make you a bestseller honestly you're probably not going to get very far with any kind of book because you're not going to be um, personally attached to it and you're not going to be willing to stick it out for the long haul it's good advice what are some tips that you would say for somebody who is thinking about writing a book, what are some steps that they can prepare for before actually sitting down and writing? Or do you think it's just best for them to just go, go right at it, start writing, and then deal with the editors and the cleanup and everything afterwards? You know, I don't think there's any right answer to that question because people are so different. Um, there's actually a, a sort of running joke in the writing community. We sort of divide people up into two categories called pantsers or planners. And the planners are the folks who take the time to really think through their concept. They create outlines. You know, they really detail what's going to happen in every chapter. What is the overall story arc or the overall um, transformative process, if you're writing nonfiction, look like? And then the pantsers are the folks who just, you know, fly by the seat of their pants. They kind of get inspired by Sometimes it's a, it's a fully formed idea. Sometimes it's just a scene or just a moment. And they just sit down and start writing. I think there are advantages to both. Um, so, like, personally, I'm a planner. Um, I'm very big on structure. I think it's really important to think through things before you start writing. And I think that that works really well for most people because it saves you time, uh, like, at the far end. So if you write just, like, a flow of stream of consciousness and it just pours out of you and you write and write and write and write – you're going to have a lot of revision work to do. You're going to have to shape that raw material into something that resembles a book. Um, <laughs> you know, but if you take the time in the beginning to be a little more strategic about how that story is going to unfold, what exactly you're going to say, what you're going to write, it just means that that first draft is going to be a little more cohesive and coherent. Um, so it sort of saves you time on that back end. But, um, but honestly, it's, it's really a personal preference. Everybody has their own style. And for every successful author who takes the time to, to plan beforehand, you'll find another one who doesn't. That's, yeah, right. that's definitely true. <laughs> but I think that's a little bit in every business. I think the more you, you sit down and think it out before you actually put any actual work into it tends to make it a lot easier 
when you need to make some small adjustments or you need to make some small changes because you've already got the, the thought process into the groundwork for it. Yeah, absolutely true. And and I think that there's also a difference between the types of books that you want to write. You know, you can outline any kind of book, but I think it's probably a much more important exercise when you're trying to put together a nonfiction book, um, especially one that's built specifically to create business opportunities for you. Like a mistake that I see very often with my high-level clients with the prescriptive nonfiction is, you know, let's say they have a certain business and they want to launch that business into the national spotlight and they want to become a keynote speaker and the kind of person who's really, you know, bringing in uh, big, big money for doing these corporate retreats and things like that. If you just write the book you want to write without really being strategic about how that book is going to create those opportunities for you, you might end up with a good book that doesn't accomplish your goals. And so you're not going to see the kind of results that you wanted. That's true. Yeah, okay. that is yeah. absolutely true. <laughs> and what are some great resources for people who are thinking about writing a book really on the edge there, they're, they're, you know, they don't know whether they should, they think they have a good topic. What are some resources for them or what are some suggestions for them, uh, places they should go to? Should they contact people like you or is there other places on the Internet that are reputable sources that they could actually, you know, research a topic to see whether it be, you know, worthwhile or not worthwhile or some tools that they could use to help them write a better book? Yeah, oh gosh, there's so many. Um, well, if you are writing a nonfiction book, a prescriptive nonfiction book, then you can definitely contact someone like me. There are lots of consultants out there who um, specialize in helping people conceptualize what exactly their book should be. Um, the way that I like to talk about it is I say that I'm going to help you figure out what's the right topic for your book and your business right now. Because um, maybe that book idea that you've been kicking around for a few years is a great idea, but it's not the first one you should write. Maybe there's something else that's going to get you to your goals a little more quickly. So um, definitely there are people like me who are out there. I have a program, for example, a six-week program that's specifically focused on creating a very detailed outline, analyzing how a book fits into into the competition into the category um, and also sort of correlates to content marketing because when you're writing a book oftentimes you also want to be building an audience that will eventually be primed and ready for that book um, so definitely uh, reaching out at the beginning of the process again can save you a lot of headaches later if you're working on a creative project though a novel or a memoir I mean, really, there are two things that I would say are the very best ways to start. And the first is to just read, um, really to read a lot. And I don't necessarily mean how-to books. Um, I mean read books that are similar to the kind of book you want to write. You know, go out there. If you're writing a memoir about eating disorders, you know, you should be reading all of the best-selling memoirs on eating disorders. You should be familiar with what your competition is, but also seeing how other writers have talked about the same topic, how they've told a similar story. And novels are the same way. I mean, you won't hopefully find a book that's exactly like yours, but if you're writing fantasy, you better be reading a lot of fantasy. Okay, great advice, great advice. And what do you tell a person if they're coming in, they don't know whether or not they should be published traditional and go hardback, softback, or whether they should go digital and do the Amazon way, or should they just go for both at, at the same time and go with it? 
Well, you know, again, this is where that question of what your goals are really come into play. So if you're hoping to get an agent and a traditional publisher, you're talking about playing at the very highest level as far as book publishing is concerned, right? So, you know, even to use a sports analogy, there's a difference between community sports teams and minor league teams and major league teams. Getting an agent and a traditional publisher, especially one of the big five publishers, that's major league. So if you want to play at that level, it's not so much a question of whether or not you want to. It's really more of a question of do you have what it takes? People who want to get published with one of the big five publishers have to have a big platform. It is one of the most important things for any kind of book. That means connections in the media, connections to other authors, an established following. Maybe you've won some contests. You have a mailing list. You have a blog. You have a huge social media following. All of those things are just as important as having a really good book when you're trying to go the agent and publisher route. Okay. If you, you know, so that's, that's one thing. Um, sometimes people have a great idea, but they just don't have the platform. And I tell them, well, you know, self-publish the first book, take it really seriously, use that as an opportunity to grow your audience. And then maybe with your second book, you'll be in a better position to attract a deal from one of those kinds of companies. Um, you know, but that said, if that's your dream, you know, if you really want to be published by a publisher, maybe not even one of the big five, because there are plenty of university presses and independent presses, people all along the spectrum that have different expectations. There's no harm in pursuing both at the same time, except that you should be aware that if you self-publish a book and you are hoping to get an agent and publisher either for that book or even for any later books, it is extra important that you do things right. If you self-publish a book and you just kind of slap it together and do your own cover and don't really have a marketing plan and it doesn't do really well, that's going to hurt you if you try to go to an agent and publisher later. They're not going to be impressed that your book is simply listed on Amazon. It's got to be an impressive book. Right. Most definitely. Most definitely. And if somebody's thinking about publishing a book, what would be give or take ballpark? Obviously, I, I understand it would change. It would change on the amount of pages and all that. But what type of investment would somebody be looking at to to do this? To get the editor, to get the to get somebody like you to actually get the book and then take it all the way to final distribution. Yeah, um, you know so. What I like to tell people about self-publishing is you very much have to look at it as an entrepreneurial venture. So when you decide to self-publish a book, you're producing a product like any other product. It could be a sneaker. It could be a shampoo. There's really no difference in terms of what it means to create a business and create a product and launch it. You absolutely have to have a budget. This is not something that you can do yourself. And in fact, there have been a number of studies um, now that self-publishing has become such a big thing. There's enough data out there to show that self-publishers who hire professional help consistently do much better with the sales of their books and earn more money and experience more personal satisfaction than people who try to do everything themselves. Um, so what's a good budget? I say to people a really good rule of thumb is about $5,000. You can definitely spend more. You can definitely spend less. Um, a big piece of that budget is going to be spent on editing, and that's as it should be because if your content isn't good enough, really nothing else matters. And, um, you know, there are definitely places where you can save a little money or you can go a little crazy. I, I remember speaking to a gentleman a few years back who had self-published his first book, and he spent, I think, 
think he spent like $20,000 and it was an outrageous amount of money. And I felt so terrible for him because he had really kind of spent it on all the wrong things and it was totally unnecessary. And he just hadn't, hadn't gotten the results that he needed from that book. Um, but conversely, I've also met some self publishers who were very savvy, who were able to barter and trade, who used certain tools. For example, one, just to give you a quick tip that I really love bookdesigntemplates.com. Um, it's run by a gentleman named Joel Friedlander and bookdesigntemplates.com is a great shortcut because you can purchase from a, a, a small selection, but a good selection of pre-designed book design templates. Now this is for the interior, not the cover, but they're for eBooks and print books. And you can get those templates for less than 50 bucks. If you hire a custom designer to do the interior layout of your book, it could run you a thousand dollars or more. So there are significant ways where you can save money and or spend more money um, around that budget. But I would say to plan for about 5000 if you can, will give you some nice flexibility in your options. Okay, that sounds fair. And what do you say to the people, because you always hear the ones that have got the high egos. Oh, I'm a great, brilliant writer. I've won awards. I don't need an editor. Absolutely untrue. <laughs> um, everybody needs an editor. I mean, there's not a best-selling author on this planet who has not worked with a professional editor. It's simply a matter of how it works. And it's, you know, it's not about even how good you are. It, it really in some ways comes down to how the human brain works. We are as humans flat out incapable of being truly objective about ourselves. Um, even those of us who are trained to get some distance, objective distance from a work, you know, even me, I'm a professional editor and I have editors edit my work when I'm writing, you know, and I can certainly produce a piece of writing that's at a much higher level in terms of editing than somebody who doesn't have my expertise. But I still recognize that having a, a more objective person come in and help guide the piece is really essential. So, um, in fact, I'll share with you this little bit that I consider it kind of a red flag when I'm talking to a potential client. If they are so overly confident that what they've written is going to be a bestseller and they don't really think they need editing, in all the years of freelancing, I can tell you, hands down, those are always the people who need editing the most. <laughs> <That's the truth. laughs> I mean, obviously, from, what, from the discussions, it doesn't. It, it, book book publishing and book writing is not a solo job. So, where do you go to go find the right people to help you do this and do it right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I always say start with the people you trust. You know, just like with any other product, right? If you were going to hire someone to clean your house or build you a porch, you'd ask around. You'd see if any of your friends have used a contractor or house cleaner that you really liked. And the same thing is true about editors. You know, if you're a member of a writer's community or a writer's group or if you're a member online somewhere, ask around. Um, I would encourage you to make sure that you're familiar with that person's book, you know, make sure you actually think their book is good before you ask for their recommendation. But, um, you know, assuming that that's the case, yeah, ask for, ask for referrals. That's a great place to start. I also like a few professional organizations. That's a good second step. The Editorial Freelancers Association 
is a really, really good one. Um, you can find them online. You can search for Editorial Freelancers Association. The website is actually the-efa.org. Um, and if you're looking for a higher level of service, if you're one of those people I mentioned earlier where you're an expert that doesn't really consider yourself an author and you need someone who's actually going to write the book for you, I highly recommend the Association of Ghostwriters. And that website is associationofghostwriters.org. And what would be some of the questions if you're going to hire a freelancer or a ghostwriter? What are some of the red flags or some tips to help them find the right person for them? Well, I think the best place to start is, first of all, getting a little clearer about what kind of services you need, because there's a huge range of professionals out there, everything from book coaches who help you write a book, to editors who help you perfect a book, and then, of course, to ghostwriters who can write a book for you. And people sometimes will use similar terminology for slightly different things. Writing and editing, in some ways, is a little bit loose as an industry. There, are, there aren't a lot of hard and fast standards. So you want to make sure you're speaking the same language when you approach somebody um, so that you're, you know, clearly communicating about the service that you're hiring them for. And secondly, I think my best tip would be to get real serious about your budget. You know, you're a professional, you're worth what you charge. So are editors and writers. Um, it's a significant time investment to work on a book project. Uh, whether you're editing or ghostwriting for somebody. This is not something that someone can just turn around and do in a couple days. You know, it's not something that should run you, you know, 50 bucks, right? Especially if you have, <laughs> you know, a really long manuscript. And, and just to give you an idea, you know, your typical novel, as an example, could be between 60 and 80,000 words. It can take as long as four weeks for a professional editor to really do a thorough edit on a project like that. So, you know, four weeks of work. Like, what do you get paid for four weeks of work, right? Um, you know, so be prepared. And the EFA, by the way, the Editorial Freelancers Association, on their website has a rate chart that's very helpful. They do surveys every year of thousands of freelancers to put together this rate chart. That'll give you a good ballpark idea of some of the common ranges of what you can expect to pay for different services related to creating a book. So that's definitely something I would encourage people to check out. And, you know, just on that subject of price, speaking of red flags, people often shop by price and for some kinds of services and products that can make sense but this isn't one of them you know hiring an editor is hiring a skilled professional you know uh, certainly we're not saving lives the way that a doctor would but you know in that same kind of way that you don't want the cheapest heart surgeon you want the best heart surgeon you want somebody with experience <laughs> you know who's done the kind of surgery you need that's kind of what you're doing when you're shopping for an editor. So frankly, if somebody quotes you a price that's severely under market, like under the rate chart I mentioned from the EFA, you know, that's a really big red flag. If they're charging so much less money than what's typically charged for professionals, you have to wonder why you get what you pay for. Right. Exactly. You're going to get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, this is not where you want to go cheap. No, nope, no. Nope. I mean, you know, and that said, like, you know, if you if you meet somebody 
and you can vet their experience. You've seen some of their work. Maybe they've worked for someone you know, um, but they just happen to be a little bit less experienced. Maybe they're a little new, but they're very talented and they're willing to give you a lower price because they're still new to the business. That's okay. I'm not saying that you should only ever work with top tier professionals. I mean, that's certainly not realistic for everybody. Um, it's, it's more a matter of, you know, just being conscious of the fact that this is not a service where you want to shop on price alone. And somebody who gives you what seems like a too good to be true price, it probably is too good to be true. And you should definitely be careful of that. <laughs> and what are some important traits or skills that you see from a person to move from a writer to an author? Because obviously those are two different things. They are definitely two different things, you know, and we'll just define that. A writer is somebody who's still writing. An author is a person who's made the decision to publish a book and or has published a book. And I tell people that when you're writing a book, you're very much an artist. You're a, you're a craft person, right? You're practicing a skill. The second you decide to share that book with the world in a serious way, and by serious I mean you're expecting people to buy it, right? You're not just publishing it for your friends and family. That's what makes you make that move from writer to author. And making that move from writer to author is really about becoming a business person. Um, so some of the most important traits or skills that I see is very important for making that transition. Definitely objectivity. You know, um, even though we're talking about hiring an editor who's more objective than you are in terms of the content, you still have to have a little bit of objectivity too. You know, you can't be so emotionally connected to your project that every bit of criticism makes you cry. You, know, you can't be <laughs> so, so connected. You know, it's obviously we all are passionate about the things we create and you definitely want to be passionate about your book. But, you know, if somebody gives you a bad review, you can't take that personally, right? That's about the book. That's not about you. They're not attacking you. And if you send things out to an agent or to publishers and they're rejecting you, yes, it's disappointing and it's frustrating, but it's a part of the business. It doesn't mean you suck. It doesn't even mean your book sucks. There's lots of reason why a project might get rejected. So objectivity, absolutely. Patience. Um, publishing a book is a long game. Impatience is one of the absolute killers of all book publishing dreams. You know, people who rush to finish a project who don't take the time to learn the writing skills they need to create a really good book who don't take the time to create a marketing plan if they're self-publishing or they don't research or whatever um you know impatience can make you skip a lot of really important steps and almost always results in disappointment so patience is really important and like discipline, commitment, you know, it can take a lot of time to really write and perfect a book. It's not unusual for first-time authors to take years before their first book is really ready for publication. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's learning a skill. You know, it's not something just because you can physically write an email or write a letter or even write that story, that's not the same thing as creating a reading experience, crafting a novel, crafting a memoir or a self-help book that's going to help other people. Um, that requires that requires time and, and practice. Right, because you heard what was it? I think it was Harry Potter, wasn't it? Was turned down for numerous years before finally somebody picked it up. So, oh yeah, like you said, it's yeah. not always necessarily the writing. It's just what the publisher's looking for or what they have an opening for, no? Absolutely. Sometimes it's timing, sometimes it's trends. And I mentioned earlier, you know, that a creative work like a novel or a memoir very much is a passion project. That goes for agents and publishers too. 
creating a book is a really long process. I mean, from the day you sell your project to a publisher, typically it takes a year before that book is actually in print and out and available to the public. So no agent and no editor is going to purchase a book that they don't like enough that they're going to be willing to talk about it for a year, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, so if that love isn't there, that can, that's a very common reason why an agent or a publisher might pass on a project. Um, And Harry Potter. Yeah, that's definitely a good example. You can Google, you know, just Google something like famous author rejections. There are numbers and numbers of blog posts out there that you can look at that will tell you the stories of many very famous authors who experienced dozens, sometimes hundreds of rejections before the book found the right agent and the agent found the right publisher. Good tips. Good tips. What are some other tips that you would tell uh, writers who are looking to be published? Um, Well, I mean, like I I talked about having patience, I think that's really key. And I think that developing the ability to be really, really honest yourself, honest with yourself, sorry, is, um, is probably really key to the whole process. You know, sometimes, you know, especially with self-publishing, because it's become so easy. I mean, you literally, if you really wanted to, could just upload a file to the Kindle Direct platform and your ebook could be available for sale within 24 hours. It costs you nothing and it takes like 20 minutes. So the bar is really low in terms of the accessibility of getting a book out to the public. But it's a mistake to think that just because you wrote something, you're entitled to publish and sell it. Um, you know, if you've never gotten objective feedback before, especially if you're, it's your first or even your second or third attempt at writing a book, if you're still relatively new to this process, you need to find a way to get some objective feedback and then listen to it. You know, that's where that being honest with yourself and having patience and objectivity really comes in. And, you know, if you can't afford a professional editor right now, that's okay. There are other ways to get feedback. I'm a big fan of writers groups. I ran a writing critique group for four years that met every week. Um, I think writers can learn a ton from their fellow writers through that process. There are also plenty of websites that help you to get beta readers. So people will volunteer to be um, like, you know, like guinea pigs kind of, that they'll be representative of your target reader and they'll read it for you and give you some feedback. And it's very different from the kind of feedback you'd get from a professional, but it can be really valuable if 50 people that regularly read romance novels read your romance novel and half of them tell you that they don't like your hero. Like, that's a big problem. You know, that's going to tell you something very important. (laughs) Um, You know, and you need to be honest enough with yourself to recognize when people are telling you that something needs to be fixed, that you don't let your ego get in the way and you don't say, no, but I love that character. I'm not cutting him. I'm not changing a thing. Because that can really be the death of your book. Right. Right. And do, okay, after after you've written the novel, you've written it, you've gone to the editors, you've done all that part of it, do you just send out your manuscripts to all these publishers, or is there a, a, an intermediary step that you think that people should do first before they even try to contact that publisher? Um, well, you know, before you start sending out a manuscript to a publisher or an agent, you definitely want to make sure it is the very best job you can do. 
in most cases, you won't get a second chance. You know, you can't send something to a publisher and then they reject it and just keep sending it every time you revise it once a month. They're not going to look at it. Um, you know, occasionally they'll like something enough that they'll invite you to resubmit if you make some changes, but that's not necessarily the norm. So if you're going the traditional route, you should know that the biggest publishers require you to have a literary agent. You can't just send something to Simon & Schuster and expect an editor to read it. They're not going to. It's going to go into something we call the slush pile. Um, Every publisher, every agent has a slush pile. So if you are aiming for that high level, you have to start with the agent. You can't go straight to the publisher. Smaller publishers and university publishers often will accept submissions directly from authors. And the key word is unsolicited submission. So if you go on a publisher's website and you think this is the publisher that's right for your book, they've published other books similar to yours, so you think it fits well with their list, you go on their website and they'll have a tab somewhere, usually called submissions or how to submit, and on that page it will tell you if they accept unsolicited manuscripts or not. Unsolicited means they didn't ask for it. It means you can just go ahead and send it and you don't have to have an agent. If they say they don't take unsolicited manuscripts, that means you have to have the intermediary. You have to have the agent work with you. Um, So that's really important to know. And of course, if you self-publish, there is no intermediary. There's just you. Um, I certainly recommend that you take the time to work with professionals to ensure that your book is of a professional quality, that you don't just throw it out there. But um, you certainly can. There's no one to stop you from doing it. It's just really entirely up to you. And what would you say is the most important thing that you've learned about writing and your experiences writing? <sighs> the most important thing, and if I could say one thing to everybody who's thinking about writing a book or who's currently writing a book and listening today, is that the only way to get better at writing is to keep doing it. Literally, the only way. You can't read a bunch of how-to books and expect that your next book is suddenly going to be better if you haven't been practicing. The most successful writers write every single day. Um, Some people don't have that kind of schedule, and that's okay. That doesn't mean you're never going to be good. But my point is just that you have to write a lot, and you have to write often. And, you know, this goes back to what we've been talking about with, like, ego and expectations. The truth of the matter is, most of what you write will probably never get published. Most of it is probably just for your practice, for the purposes of you learning how to create a good story, how to tell a good story, how to give good instruction or teach well through a book. It's only through making a lot of crap that you're eventually going to learn how to write something amazing. So you have to just, you know, we call it butt in chair. You have to have the butt in the chair (laughs) and do the work. (laughs) Now, you mentioned a literary agent. How does one find one, know that they've really got a real one, not a fake one, they're not going to get scammed? Uh, Is there an agency that monitors those? How would one go about getting one? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So there's lots of ways to find agents. One is the, um, I think it's the AAR. It's the Authors... Authors and something, authors and agents, representatives, or something like that. Um, authors and artists representatives is what it's called. So they're they are an umbrella organization. Most literary agents belong to that organization, but not all. So that can be one good place to sort of check people out. Um, one of my favorite ways to meet literary agents is actually by going to writing conferences. 
you know, when you submit to an agent, and, and there is also a protocol and a specific process, so, you know, those of you who are very new to all of this should definitely spend a little bit of time doing your research, because um, you want to make sure that if you're going to start submitting that you're doing it properly, otherwise you're going to go right into that slush pile. Um, so what I like about the writers conferences is that unlike just picking a random agent's name out of, let's say, you know, the writer's market or the literary marketplace, which are two very good reference books that are published every year, they're essentially giant phone books, like full of information on different agents and what those agents are looking for and how to contact them. You can definitely do that, but you're kind of shooting fish in a barrel. You know, you're just sort of picking people randomly out of that book. When you go to a conference, many writers' conferences invite literary agents and editors from publishers um, to be there, and they'll have an opportunity to sign up for a one-on-one -on -one consultation with those people. Um, so if you look at, you know, so let's say some local writing conferences, and you're writing a romance novel, and you see that there are going to be a couple of agents at this conference that represent romance, it could be really good for you to go to that conference, sign up for the private consultations with those agents, and that way you get to sit down with them face-to-face, person-to-person, pitch them your project, and if they're interested, they're going to invite you to submit. And they're going to give you more consideration and you know, might even give you some feedback even if they say no in a way that they never would if you were just one of 100 people that emailed them out of the blue. Okay, great advice. And obviously, we're wrapping up here, so let's find out. Let me tell everybody how they can contact you. Uh, I know you also have a Facebook group. Is that an open Facebook group? Yes, yes. The Writers Allies, A-L-L-I-E-S, is an open Facebook group, and we would welcome anybody who's writing a book, interested in writing a book, um, or currently marketing a book. Okay. And go ahead and give out a shout-out to your website addresses so that people can go ahead and get onto. Your mailing list, I know you have two free gifts there. Why don't you tell about that? Yeah, so um, at thewritersally.com, if you're a strong writer with a completed manuscript or a published book that just isn't getting you the results you want, um, head on over to there. You can get our free gift, which is uh, a checklist called Are You Ready to Publish? And it walks you through the nine um, most crucial parts of the publishing process to make sure that your book can be successful. And AliMashadi.com, if you're an expert but not much of a writer, you're someone who needs a book written for them or you want more intensive professional help in conceptualizing your book and maybe support while you write it yourself. Um, for you guys, I have a, a short free PDF ebook called How to Boost Your Biz with a Book. Great, great. And what would be, for, for the last tip here, what would be some great ways for people to market their book? Oh, gosh. You know, the thing about marketing is choosing a few different methods and sticking with it for at least a few months so that you can really see if it's working. There are probably a thousand different ways to market a book, and you don't want to overwhelm yourself. And it's not efficient or effective to do the whole throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks things when it comes to marketing a book. So, you know, you make that shift from creative artist to business person, you need to be able to separate yourself from your work so that you can revise it effectively and get that feedback. Um, and I, like I said earlier, your book is your product. If you can really get serious and think about your book, not as your baby, but as a sneaker, as a shampoo, as some other kind of product, um, that mindset shift alone will make it significantly easier for you to plan a marketing mm -hmm. 
strategy um, and to execute it without getting hung up on fear, um, you know, hurt feelings. A lot of the, the things that stand in the way of a good marketing plan have to do with an author's mindset. And there are already established rules around how to successfully sell a product, and those apply to a book too. Great, great. Allie, look, we really, really appreciate uh, you coming out and joining us for this hour here. Again, yeah, the writer's ally.com and allymashadi.com is how you can get hold of her. Also, she has the Facebook group, so be sure to catch that. If you guys have any questions, please be sure to ask them on our Facebook page or on her Facebook page, either one. I am sure she will answer them as well. If you send them to us, we will be more than glad to pass them along, get the answers for you, and make sure that Allie gets hold of you. Oh, absolutely. Just tag me. I, I'll be happy to respond to any questions. All right. Jonna, anything you got to ask? Um, no, other than we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today, Allie, and share your knowledge. And we appreciate all of you out there that took the time out to come and listen to this great advice. Hopefully you'll it'll be helpful to you when you get ready to make your break into writing your book. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I always love talking shop. All righty. Thanks, Allie. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.